Hey, this is Pastor Michael Alfaro from The Calling Church. I'm so excited that you're listening to our church podcast. I pray that it blesses you and encourages your faith. I don't my message today, the second installment of our series, which is called There's Still Room. The title of my message today is The Search Party. The Search Party. Can you write it online right now on the chat? The Search Party. I don't know about you, but uh, I'm a very meticulous person. Uh, I, I like to make sure that uh, for me and my belongings and my possessions, so to speak, uh, everything has a place. Everything has a compartment, it, uh, something, um, whether it's my shoes or my clothes uh, or my toothbrush, uh, everything has a place where it goes. Uh, um, a, a, a few months ago, actually, no, actually it was a year ago, uh, my wife's watching right now, but I actually lost my wedding ring. All right. I lost my wedding ring. And, uh, uh, I, and, and this is crazy for me because I usually have, I mean, I'm a stickler about putting things where they go. How many of you were raised like that growing up? You, you know, you, you put things back, you put things where they go. That's how I was raised. Do your bed, uh, right after you get out of your bed in the morning. Uh, I'm, I'm a very kind of OCD a little bit. All right. But, uh, a few, I think it was about a year ago, just before my wife and I, we moved to Arcadia. I had ended up losing my wedding ring. Uh, I promise you I was not mad at my wife and I didn't purposely lose it or something like that. My wife was not happy about that, y'all, all right? And, uh, and that, which is crazy for me because everything has a spot. Um, and for months and months and months, I was looking for my wed- wedding ring and I could not find it. After a month later, when we were about to move out of the place, we were still looking for it. And it turned up in the most random place that I I never even looked. Isn't that what happens with things that you lose? It turns up somewhere, somehow where you least expect it. My wedding ring was like below one of our, our, our uh, we have like a breakfast nook. It was under, I guess the nook part. It was under the, the couch area where I never would have thought where it was. All right. And I don't know about you, but when I lose something, okay. And by the way, just so you ladies, I know you're, you're watching. You're like, Pastor Michael, what are you thinking? I, I bought a, 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 another ring to substitute in that time. Okay. Just another H&M ring. Just threw it on there for 10 bucks. All right made sure I was responsible, okay? But I don't know about you, but when I lose something, I get passionate about it, all right? I get passionate, I get frustrated in a way. I even start to blame my wife, like, honey, you, what did you do with this shirt? You're supposed to wash it or uh, it's your fault. And to my embarrassment, most of the time, it's due to myself. (laughs) It's due to me, I lost it, all right? I'm the one who's misplaced it. I want to talk today, this morning, about the search party. And I want to talk about the significance, the theological significance, and the biblical importance of, the, of what the text is revealing about the lost, uh, the lost sheep and the lost coin and why that's important to, the, to heaven, why that's important to, to, to the church, our church, and the church, and why that's important to you and to me. All right. So in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is with the sinners and the tax collectors. Well, who are the tax collectors? All right. And if we know the Bible, watch this. We know that one of Jesus's followers, his close followers, one of the 12 who later became an apostle was actually a tax collector. And his name is Matthew. He gave up tax collecting 
to follow Jesus, all right? In fact, we call our church the Calling Church because of a famous painting, a fresco, Italian fresco, called The Calling of St. Matthew, where Jesus is calling Matthew, pointing at him, calling him to a life of destiny from his tax collecting table. Matthew leaves it and follows Jesus and changes the world. Isn't that amazing? Who are tax collectors? Tax collectors were people who worked for the Romans. Tax, uh, they were hated by the Israelites, especially the religious elite. They were not like, they were considered scum, so to speak. I don't know if you can say that in church, but they were considered to be low class people. What do they do? They often levy higher tax rates off of the people who are already poor, all right, for themselves. And also paid, used, given uh, some of those taxes, obviously, to the Romans. We know this because of Jesus, Jesus' birth. Remember, there's a whole, the, the, the uh, Rome, the emperor taxed the whole Ro, uh, Roman uh, empire in which G, uh, Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, right? Because of taxes to register in Bethlehem, their hometown. Who are tax collectors? They're despised. They're not liked. They're considered sinners. And watch this, Jesus is among them and he's teaching them, which is so significant and completely different than Luke chapter 14, all right? This is important. This is an important uh, uh, to the context and the dynamic of this scripture. My first point is this morning is Jesus, watch this. Jesus welcomes and receives sinners. Jesus welcomes and receives sinners, it says this, their, their complaint about Jesus, watch this, he welcomes, he welcomes. We often say at our church, welcome home because we want our church to, have, to be a home for our community, a home for the broken, a home for the hurting, a lo- home for the lost, a home for the saved, a home for those who are in progress for Jesus, uh, in Jesus Christ. This is a home, uh, uh, the calling church, welcome home. So, so, so the religious say about Jesus, this man welcomes, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. You know, the Greek word for welcomes is the Greek word prosdekomai, which means to receive. It's actually a hospitality term. It means to be hospitable. Jesus is receiving sinners. It's probably provocative what I'm about to say. He kind of thought it through. But it's real talk. And you know I'm all about real. Today, you might have been asking, or just in general, in our climate, in our culture, in our, the times in which we live, the pandemic, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Is he at the most fanciest churches? Probably, maybe. But I can guarantee you I know where Jesus would be at right now is right now. He's with the sinful. You say, what? How is he there? Let me tell you, he's in skip row with the hurting. He's with the broken and the destitute and the marginalized and the hurting. He's with the people who perhaps want to commit suicide. Let me tell you, it's not, it's not, uh, (laughs) in church culture, we get scared about what I'm about to say, but he's even with gay people. He, God doesn't hate gay people. I know what sin talk is and I know what the Bible says. And let me tell you, God does not condone sin. Let me get that straight just before I scare the religious in my church. God does not advocate sin. He's come to save the world from sin. But he's with people who, who uh, today the religious would think he's not with. He's with those people 
the drug addict. Let me tell you, my mom and dad struggled and I share this all the time, but God was with them and he's never given up on them until they come to him, to his graces, salvation. God is with the hurting and the broken. And watch this, we see in the text that he leaves the 99 who don't need to repent. He goes after the ones, the one who needs him, who's lost. That's what my message is for today. Jesus welcomes sinners and he receives sinners. People would often ridicule him. Why are you eating with them? This is the very reason he came. Look at Jesus in his time, in his, in his 33 years old with the, with, with the prostitutes and the beggars and the lame and the unclean, the lepers. You know, lepers would have to scream out, leopard, leopard. They couldn't even be in the vicinity of other people because their, 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 their disease was so contagious. But watch Jesus. He'd go up to them. He said, I'm willing to make you well. And he would touch them and love them when no one else would. Jesus welcomes sinners. I talked about this last week. Uh, at, uh, at outdoor service, not online service, but an outdoor service. See, outdoor, you get some stuff that you don't get online. I'm just saying, just saying, all right. Outdoors, uh, I shared a story that I, I forgot about, but uh, we live, our, excuse me, our church is right next to the gold line, actually blocks away. So if you ever want to come, just take the gold line. We're like two blocks away from the gold line. And, uh, and, and a person, we get sometimes a few transients at our church. And in fact, um, I mean, I'll just say that later, but a transient came. I look, a person who looked like a, a transient person. And we loved him and uh, he was welcome. But I'll never forget at that, at that service, I gave an altar call. And like old school days, this man, um, I didn't know who he was. I didn't, I didn't know where he was from. I could tell it was a little different. He started walking up to the altar to give his life to Jesus because I just gave the, a, a call, a, a called it for salvation. And I kind of read him because in our church, we kind of do the whole hand thing and, you know, that stuff. But this man just came up and I was like, I was trying to read him as he was coming up. Probably like mid 40s, mid 50s, something like that. Kind of looked a little interesting. And uh, uh, I remember he came up and he said, I just, I heard what you're saying. I want to give my life to Jesus. And at first, I know I was excited, but at first I was a little like, whoa, what's happening here, right? Because I didn't, I didn't invite anyone up. He just came up. And, and we prayed and, and the whole church clapped for him and he received Jesus. Well, I'll never forget that uh, a, a person in our church is actually a police officer and another brother who's an usher. Uh, they, they later had shared with me, which I didn't notice. They said, Michael, that guy who gave his life to Jesus, that's awesome and amazing. I just want to let you know that he actually had a knife in his back pocket. And uh, one of the police officers in our church was like, I, you know, I, I was ready to, uh, you know what, okay, to protect you. And uh, uh, I want to let you know, to be honest with you, that this church is for hurting broken people just like that person. I know, obviously, we don't want people to come bringing weapons and stuff like that. But let me tell you, this is who Jesus is with. This is who Jesus had come for. And I'm grateful that he gave his life to Jesus. Amen. So Jesus welcomes and receives sinner, but he doesn't condone sin. Remember in Luke, uh, uh, John 11, when he's with the woman who's caught in adultery, he forgives her and graces her and loves her and, and cares for her. But he tells her, go and sin no more. Let me tell you, sin is destructive. 
Sin is a distraction and sin is a decoy. Let me say that again. Sin is destruction. Sin is the distraction and sin is a disruption and a decoy to everything that God has created. Sin will rob you of his, God's life inside of you and distract you oftentimes. As I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this with you. Do you remember talking about loss Watch this, talking about lost. Do you remember in Genesis chapter three, we're going way back, way back to Genesis, all right? Do you remember in Genesis chapter three, verse nine? Watch this. The Bible says this, that God one day was walking in the garden of Eden in the cool of the day among the, among the garden. And God asks a question. He starts calling out to Adam and Eve. And he says something so interesting. Watch this. He says, he says, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? As he's walking in the garden. Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? What a unique thing to say if you're God. Let me tell you something. When God asks questions, it's never for himself. There's not an answer that God don't know about. When God asks questions, it's for you and it's for me. So why is God saying, God, Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Where'd you go? Could it be that God actually doesn't know where they are? What a silly thing. He just created them in Genesis chapter two (laughs) and Genesis chapter one. And now in Genesis uh, chapter three, verse nine, where are you? Where are you? One of the things that my daughter does, it's so cute. There's a few things she does right now. One of the things she does is she she actually, uh, I'm having, we're having the time of our life with her. She's growing. She's so beautiful. She will never get married. I'll be the only man of her life. All right. Only man. (laughs) I do want grandchildren, but I don't think about that. All right. Way too young for that. Um, one of the things she does is as she's growing, she actually likes to run and hide, uh, hide uh, in, in a cute way, in a playful way. We have this, these beautiful drapes in our house and they're kind of sheer. And what she'll do is she'll run behind the drapes and you could see almost like a ghost. You just see this frame of a little, you know, two foot kid in her face. And she's looking at you through the drapes like she, like, like, like as if uh, you don't know where she is. But, she, but, but she's looking at you through and you see this drape of kind of her head turning and it's kind of cute. And, and I, I go, Hope, where, where did Hope go? Mama, mama, where's Hope? And she's probably like a foot away from me or two. And Hope, where are you? Where are you? And she's smiling and she's laughing and, and, and she wants me to find her. Another thing she does right now, and she's kind of having this moment of self-discovery and she's growing is, is she's actually, she, she's realizing she's pooping. <laughs> she's realizing she's pooping right now. And uh, what she's doing is she, and, and, and she's actually hiding because she wants, I think she wants some privacy. In fact, I, a lot of things I read, they're saying, hey, she might be ready for potty training. All right, I, don't know if, I don't know if we're ready for that life yet. It's fast, man. Things are going flying fast. And, and, and she's, she's hiding. She often goes behind our fridge on the side, but between the wall and just in the corner, or she'll go where our breakfast nook is and she'll hide and, 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 and kind of like, where are you, you know? 
where are you, Hope? And we find her like making these weird faces with her mouth and like this pressure and her head just like all cherry. And she's like, you know, a little grunts and like, <laughs> and, and she just wants, she just wants some space. Where are you, Hope? Where are you? Genesis chapter three, verse nine, God is telling Adam, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? You know that humanity is the supreme object of God's grand love. Humanity is the supreme object of God's profound love. Not the stars, not the fish, not the animals. He loves them. It's great. It's awesome. And it's important. But humanity bears the image of God. You know what's surprising? You know what's crazy about people who get lost? Watch this. Lost people don't know who they belong to. Lost people don't know who, where, they, where they come from. Lost people, it's easy to find things you're not looking for when you're lost. So humanity bears the very image of God, the very being of men and women. And I know that that's a whole debate, men and women. But I want to let you know as a pastor of the calling church, I believe the Bible, the truth of the living God, the word of God. And he said he made them male and female. I know it's not politically correct, but I live to please one. His name is Jesus. And watch this. Uh, uh, He made us in his image. Watch this. He made us in his image. But humanity is constantly chasing after images that is so less than the image we bear. That's theological. Humanity is constantly going after images the world says you must have. Are we constantly worship humanity in historical culture and and, and, and ancient antiquity and even just in Hinduism? Did you know in Hinduism, there's over a million gods, idols. The very thing that kicked out the the Israelites from Judah and and, and, uh, to Assyria and Babylon. Humanity, even to this very day, is going after images. It cares about self-image. Watch this. When we are created in the very image. Our being is created in the image of God. That's what lost people don't realize. We bear the likeness of God and we, uh, lost people don't know where they're from. We're from the king, we're from heaven, created by the great creator, designed by him. So when God is asking in Ch- Genesis chapter three, uh, verse nine, Adam, Eve, where are you? Could it be? that he really doesn't know where they're at. Just like I kind of don't know where my daughter's at, but I, except I really do know where she is. Watch this. God really does know where Adam and Eve are. In fact, the Bible says that they're hiding behind some trees in the garden. Why are they hiding? Because something just, something cataclysmic just happened. They partook of the forbidden fruit. And as God is trying to have relationship with them and he's walking and he's trying to talk with them, they're hiding from him. And he tells them, who told you to eat from the fruit of the tree? All right. And, and he says, he, the Bible goes on to say, they realized, watch this, they were naked. They realized, it's like their eyes were open, they were naked. And he says, who told you that? Who told you that? This is a deeply theological concept and it's so important to this passage or I would say I'm bringing it here because it's, it has some, a lot to do with this passage and a lot for us when it comes to talking about the lost. 
Do you see what, watch this, what happens. Sin had entered the world because they partook of the forbidden fruit. And because they partook of the forbidden fruit, watch this, humanity and God has been broken. God had come into the garden because he has intimate relationship with humanity. But what sin does is it's destructive. It's a decoy and it's distracting and it, and, and it is just, it's broken and it is distorted. That's another D for you. It's distorted forever. The relationship between humanity and God. And let me tell you, God, ever since the creation of the world in Genesis chapter three, verse nine, has always been searching back for humanity. Where are you? I want to let you know today in 2021, God is telling humanity, where are you? It's not that God doesn't know where they are, but I think he's talking to them spiritually, mentally, not physically. God is omniscient. He's everywhere present. He's with you right now where you're watching on your couch and he's with me right now where I'm standing on this pulpit. He's everywhere present. So God, God is better than the best GPS system there is in the world. God is better than the satellites that are all up there in the, in the, uh, out in the outer space. So God, it's not that God doesn't know where they're at, but God is wondering wh- why they are where they're at. Spiritually broken. I just, it, just, it just rings in my, my soul because now Jesus in this present context is with tax collectors. He's with the sinful, the marginalized. And watch this, now they're coming and they're listening and they're responding to God. That's why he sent Jesus. I love that. Where are you? And watch this, just like my daughter, when she's pooping, she's, she, she's, um, she feels embarrassment. She feels kind of like, you know, this is weird. <laughs> she feels a little bit of maybe self-condemnation. Sin does the same thing to humanity. It, 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 we, there's a self-condemnation. Who told you you're naked? There was another person in the garden and he's a real, he's a real person and his name is Lucifer. And that's what he does. He comes to distract. I don't want to give him more credit than he deserved, than he should have. All right, because he don't deserve that much credit. God deserved that credit. Come on, somebody. All right, so God has been searching for humanity ever since the creation of the world. And what we see in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin is so significant. It's so important because what is happening here, and I want to explain this to you, what I believe the, the Bible in Luke 15, it, it, the, the subject has to do more with the shepherd all right, and more with the lady than it does for the lost sheep and than it does for the lost coin because Jesus is revealing the heart of God. And what is God doing? He's on a search party. He's on a search mission. Some would call it a SAR team, a search and rescue team. He is searching for the broken. He is searching for the lost. He is searching for the hurting. He is searching uh, for the destitute, for those who need desperate hope this morning. Come on, somebody. Luke chapter eight, verse 31 says this, for the son of man came, watch this, to seek and save what has been lost. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. My second point this morning is, watch this, God will not stop searching for you. We see with the parable of the sheep and the coin that the shepherd goes after and leaves the 99. He goes after 
pursuit. And I want to let you know this morning, God will relentlessly pursue you with an absolute passion. Even if you keep running from him, even if you keep on sinning, God is going to keep chasing you and trying to find you and to help you discover you and help you discover him because he loves you with a relentless pursuit and he will not give up. You may not like you, boo-boo. Let me tell you, God loves you. He's mad about you. That's why he's going to leave the 99 to go after you. I'm here to tell you that the calling church is here to help Jesus pursue pursue relentlessly people with a passion for his grace and salvation. Come on, somebody. He will not give up. He will not give up. That's not our God. He continues to pursue us even though we are lost. All right. Someone would say, why? Why would God do that? Man, people I love don't even chase after me like that. You know, where I'm from, someone might say, people don't come after me like that. Why would God come after me like that? Because that's the point. God wants you to know whose you are. God wants to know whom you belong to. God wants, to know, wants you to know where you come from. Yeah, I don't care what the, God wants you to know this morning that no matter what the world tells you, what you should look like, act like, be like, which political party you should be part of, what you should dress like. God wants you to know whose you are, whom you are and where you come from. Come on, somebody. I don't care. I don't know about you, but one of the most spiritual movies for me is The Lion King, homie. All right. I love me some Lion King. I've shared this story thousands of times. I'll never forget when they re-showed because Lion King came out in the 90s. Woo-woo, 90s. That's the best era ever. All right. I know I'm biased. All right. Or the 80s. But when they re-showed the Lion King in the theater, I took, took my girl, Corrine Catherine Jim Grande, to the West Covina Edwards Cinema to go see the Lion King. You know what I'm saying? And I remember, I will never forget this. This was God working on my heart, spiritual heart surgery. I remember the part. <laughs> We're talking about Lion King right now. I'll never forget in the movie, all right, eating my popcorn, maybe having a Slurpee because that's what I do, all right? I miss the movies, can you tell? <laughs> I will never forget the part where Simba, who's a grown lion, all right, <laughs> forgets who he is. He forgets where he comes from. He's angry. He's lost. And he's been deceived. And I love Rafiki. He tells him, he tells him, you don't know who you are. And his father comes into the picture. I'm telling you, I almost lost it, like crying, like, ooh, like that bad <laughs> in the theater. I had just lost my father. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that was hard for me. Because I think growing up for a lot of young men, a lot of people, a lot of young men, we don't know who we are. We don't know who we belong to. And this morning, God wants you to know whose you are so that when when lies come up in your spirit and you watch the TV and it's telling you this and the political politics is telling you that, uh, 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 I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know where I come from. And this ain't going in, this ain't, it might come in my spirit, but I'm here to tell you devil. I'm here to tell you so-and-so, this is who I am in the name of Jesus with authority. Come on, somebody. God wants you to know who you are. That's why he's going to search for you and he will not stop. You might be struggling with addiction today. You might be struggling with a habit today, but God, you might be giving up on you. You might be telling God, I am lost. Don't find me. I've been there. I've done that. Don't come after me, God. 
I'm beyond help. But let me tell you, God is not going to stop. He's not going to stop until he comes to, uh, uh, comes to you with, or until he finds you, until you discover who you are. And watch this. If you're watching today, you might be thinking, I have to do all the work to be in God's good graces. That's not true. That's not true. That's, a, that, that's, what, that's not true. Look what he does in Genesis 3, 9. Who's searching for them? God. They're hiding themselves. They're looking at God like weird creeper, like, you know, (laughs) he's searching for them. All right, he's approaching them. God is approaching you. You don't have to do this all by yourself. God wants you to surrender and stop wandering. Amen. Come on, somebody. I want you to give a two second praise break. All right, for this message, for what God is doing right now. All right. God will not stop searching for you. Number one, why? Because he values humanity. God values you more than a sheep, more than a shepherd than his sheep. God values you. Number two, because you belong. You belong to the fold. You belong to the flock. You earned that wage. That wage belongs to you. God is going to search for you because you belong to him. You belong to him. And I want you to know if you come to the calling church, you belong. Even if before you behave, boo-boo, come on, somebody. Before you even behave. Come on, someone, you out there, you belong. Here's a deeply significant theological idea. Watch this, Ezekiel 33, verse 11, it says this. I want you to know God does not delight in the, in the death of the wicked. You might be thinking, someone might be thinking in just the world that God has fun sending people to hell. I ain't gonna go there, but watch this. I go from the word of God and the Bible says that he does not delight in the death of of the wicked. Ezekiel 33 verse 11, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, I am not pleased when sinful people die, but I am pleased when sinful people turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your sinful ways. Why will you die, O people of Israel? God wants to see people come home. He wants to see people be found in him. I don't know about you, but I just, I, while I, was, I was writing this sermon, even praying, I, just emotional. Thank God that God de, uh, uh, deployed all the resources of heaven just to find me. God will deploy all the resources of heaven. God will send angels. God will send people. God will send circumstances. God will do whatever he needs to do to find you. Stop resisting in Jesus name. But watch this. The lost who don't know Jesus are not the only ones who get lost. Sometimes Christians get lost. Sometimes Christians get lost. And sometimes from due to circumstances or situations or hurt or brokenness, even in the church or, or, or whatever it might be, sometimes God's sheep gets lost. But I'm so thankful today that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He says, the sheep know my voice. He will leave the 99 and go after the one. I love what the Bible, I love what the Bible talks about that Jesus, he is, or God is, or Jesus is Jehovah Ra. He is the shepherd king. If you know Old Testament theology, you would know that God is like a shepherd. You know, one of my favorite verses, Psalms 27, one, excuse me, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. All right. Uh, 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 next to still quiet waters, green to graze on green pastures. He leads me on paths of righteousness 
Our God is an intentional shepherding God. And watch this. Aren't you grateful that sometimes even as a Christian with the chaos of the world and circumstances and disagreements and disarray and disruptions that somehow sometimes as Christians, we wander from the fold and we might be on a different path that God would leave, a do, leave the 99 to come go get you and throw you on his shoulders to bring you back. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for that because there are times in my life where stress may mount up. There's times in my life where anxiety may mount up. There's times where pressure mounts up in my life. And sometimes I'm realizing I'm on a different path than the one that my shepherd king is leading me on. But he loves me enough to go get me back and put me back onto the right path. We have a good God that he shows us the way we should uh, live and go. Come on, somebody. And that he refreshes our soul. I love what Psalms 23 says, that, he, that, that your staff and your rod, right? Talking about correction and leading. Correction and leading. God is a shepherd God and he constantly guides Christians into the path of life, into the path and the purpose of which they are called. And my last point today is this, point D, all of heaven rejoices When the lost are found, heaven places, God places in heaven. There's an incredible value when people come home. When people come home. Now, this means that the church of Jesus Christ should have a high value of souls coming to God. For me, I've decided in my church that it's not just about filling up every seat in the building. I am not a circus ticket seller. I'm not trying to lead a circus. I'm trying to see people have transformation in the name of Jesus. So more even more successful to me than what it is to fill up a building is to see lives transformed in the name of Jesus. I'm not an entertainer. I'm a pastor and I want to see people come home to Christ Jesus. Come on, someone, you out there. All right. So at the calling, we place an incredible value of people coming to Christ. We count the salvations. In fact, just before the pandemic, we had about 600 salvations. All right. Right when the pandemic hit and we've seen God, just people being saved, people being saved, people coming to Christ every single weekend. It was amazing. People growing, joining life groups, people learning the Bible. And we're seeing that online as well. And we want to continue joining in the work of God to see people come home. And watch this in this parable. Jesus is talking about how the shepherd finds the sheep and how he invites the friends to rejoice. But the Bible says, watch this, Jesus breaks away from the parable to tell a reality because the parable is not a real story. It's an allegory. It's a story. But then Jesus breaks from the story. Watch this. He says, and this is a reality. He says, there's more rejoicing, more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. So this is a high value for us, the church, and for my personal life and my personal mission to make sure that people are finding hope in the name of Jesus. I want to let you know that this church is on mission, mission to find and discover the lost so they come home and be developed as Christians in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody, are you out there? And I'll close with this. Uh, uh, Talking about invitations talking about invitations. I want you to use this opportunity right now. 
This message is highly geared to the lost. For someone you may know in your family, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, maybe even the barista at your local Starbucks. I've told you last week, I invited my whole my whole coffee shop, mommy. I'm, I'm not afraid of, you know why I'm not afraid of inviting people or sharing the gospel? Because watch this, the world is not afraid of trying to indoctrinate you with what they believe. Apple, Microsoft, McDonald's, they ain't gonna save you, all right? That's not gonna help transform your life. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, all right? It is life-changing, it is a reality. So I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. I know what I believe, and that's what God wants you to know today. I'll never forget, I was studying at a coffee shop. I always work in coffee shops. Not so much now because of the times, but prior, definitely work in coffee shops. Homie loves coffee, okay? And I remember having my Bible, and I was sitting there, and I was preparing the word for the weekend. And I was on on a couch in this nice home setting like style coffee shop. And I remember a guy sitting next to me drinking his coffee. And every now and then I felt like he was looking at me reading my Bible. I read, I read my Bible in public. That's what I do. All right. I was studying. And, uh, and then, by the way, I'm not a weirdo with it, to be honest with you. I'm me. I'm me. And that's what God wants. Just be you. Be me. All right. I was reading my word and I can tell that he just had this uh, ambiance of like, what are you doing? And why are you do? Is that a Bible? Like, are you, are you reading a Bible for real? And uh, um, I forgot how he started talking, but I could tell that he had so many questions. I, I, he, he had shared, he opened up his heart just because, just, I didn't say nothing. I'm a preacher. I didn't say nothing. I just had this open y'all. That's all I was doing. All right. I just had the Bible open and he was like sharing. He just opened up everything. He ended up sharing that, his, his girlfriend left him and he was broken and kind of shared his life story. And I kind of was like, I'm working, but I realized God was telling me, no, you need to speak to him. Give him some, some, some uh, compassion, some solace. We get like that sometimes when we're focused. And uh, it turned out that I got to be able to pray for him. And you know what I did? I invited him to church. And, 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 I, and it was a little bit of a drive from where I guess he was from. And I said, hey, why don't you come to our church one day? He actually came. He came and not only did he come, he brought his mother and they both gave their life to Christ. All right. He, he confessed he was lost and he needed hope. He kept trying to shove maybe women or other things down uh, 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 his heart and try to fill a missing hole. Let me tell you, Jesus is the missing piece. Jesus is not just the missing P-I-E-C. E-C-E, Jesus is the missing, follow me, P-E-A-C-E in our life. Who are you inviting? Invite five people to join you for Easter, all right, and see that their life will not transform. There's a poem that says this, For God so loved the world, not just the few, the wise and the great, the noble and the true, or those of favored class or rank or hue. God loved the world. God so loved the world. Do you, I want you to this morning to share this message with some people who you know could use it. And I want to let you know that God is relentlessly going to, is going to continue to pursue you until you come home. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I pray that it blessed you. It's so vital to do life together. That's why I would love to invite you to the calling church. Bring a friend. We will love 
to meet you. Also, stay connected to our church via our website, the Calling Church app, or our social media. God bless you. Thank you.